Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. Back for another exciting movie review. We're going to tackle uh, a drama, a a film that sparked backlash, a film that got everybody... No, we're actually not going to do that. We're going to talk about uh, flying pets that talk. Well, they do talk. To the viewer. To the viewer, yes. (laughs) And and to each other. But the other human characters, they they can't quite understand what's going on. Not so much. But what does it need to be? It's DC League of Super Pets. Uh, We love to review any film based on a comic. And this is ish, ish, kind of. I mean, it's it's based off of. The characters. Characters. Right. Like legit a full array of characters. The The basis of it's just fine. Yeah, exactly. And so we are going to put this through the ringer like we put every other film we review. Uh, just the rigors, the scientific process, the arbitrary list of uh, <laughs> 10 to 15 point categories. Now, I guess when we normally do these, right, most of them are for live action movies of some sort. So the categories tend to be, you know, more human related and CG character related categories. So at least when I do these reviews and I've, I've maybe done a few more reviews for animated or quote kids themed movies. Uh, I at least play into account when I when I weigh this and I look at this and I say, is this movie better than this movie? I have to at least factor in, well, wait a second. This isn't this is a cartoon. It's an animated movie. Its intended audience is, you know, eight year olds to fifteen year olds or, or or something along those lines. Right. So, you know, we could be forgiving. I won't be. Uh <laughs> <laughs> not not really. Well, because I'm a kid at heart, so I don't need to be. But as always, we'll begin with a general um, advice of whether we think this is something that you should see in the theaters, whether it's something you should wait for on a streaming service or pick up on a Blu-ray or uh, if you should watch it at all. Uh, and then we will go into our semi-scientific set of categories that can add up to a potential total cost. Cost? Total. Total, total of 100 points, uh, though no film has yet made it that far, although no film has also made it to zero points. So, you know. There's uh, still time. Still time. Well, we may find that film that is just absolutely perfect or is just has no redeeming virtues. I have a funny feeling that's not going to happen. Yeah. But uh, onward and forward. Uh, Richard saw this before I did. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. No. And uh, – and are you happy that you went to see it in the theaters? Yes. Now, okay, let's preface this with if it was maybe just me and I had free time, is there maybe a different movie that I would have gone and, and spent my money on? Possibly. But I have the luxury of having young kiddos, and we really haven't been to the movie theaters a lot recently and now we're kind of getting back into the swing of things and we were discussing this before the kids actually said kind of put up a a quick vote do you want to go see the minions movie or do you want to watch this one and both of them agreed 
to watch this one. So that made me pretty happy. Um, so in terms of going to the theater with my family and watching it, absolutely. And uh, my uh, my family does not have young children in it anymore <laughs> so much. But uh, I've always had a soft spot for these kinds of films. Um, normally, though, I will wait for them to come out on uh, some sort of a streaming service. Um, with that in mind, I went to the theater because this is what we do. We review the movies and try and do them as soon as when they come out or close to it. Um, so if you have kids, I would say, yeah, yeah, definitely. This is worth seeing in the theater. If you don't, yeah, I'd probably wait for streaming for it, but still worth a watch. Yeah, and not that this movie is bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, I, I guess, as as a person who would spend money, if you're going to go spend money on a movie and you're only going to do it, you know, once every couple months, you know, this is probably not your choice because there are probably better options, money value options, I guess you could say. But yeah, if you're going to take the kiddos, one kiddo, seven kiddos, this is a fun one to take your kids to. Yeah, definitely. So with that being said, we are going to delve into the spoiler rich section of our review where we will start, uh, you know, poking, prodding into some of the different categories. Let's, let's change things up just a little bit. Let's, because we were talking about how this film doesn't quite follow form and function, uh, like a live action would. So let's tackle one of the categories that technically doesn't really exactly sort of fit. And we'll go with, uh, costuming and props. Ooh, yes. Uh, because, um, it's all animated. <laughs> so technically, sure, there are costumes, kind of, and not not in the most traditional sense, props, but we will be talking about the outfits, uh, the, the chosen styles that the characters had and any specific doodads or uh, things like that, that that the characters were uh, part of that were or used regularly that were important. And I, I definitely think in an animated movie like this, you can take your you can take your own liberties or you can kind of stick to the source material and have success, success, uh, <laughs> success McFarlane. Uh, you can have success either way. Uh, but how well you use your colors and your art and your design that you're going to stick with throughout the whole movie, I think plays an important part. And these were pretty solid. Yeah. So, I mean, the style that they went with was almost a Super Friends from the 70s meets a Brave and the Bold kind of uh, style amalgamation. So any costuming designs needed to be either very simple or extraordinarily over the top in order to have an impact or to, to seem like it fit. So, I mean, the, the simple collar and cape for crypto, you know, was exactly what it needed to be. The glasses were funny. I loved the glasses on the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the same thing with the, the, the super friends that they, that they chose. All their outfits um, were basically what you would expect them to be. And there were certainly their own little adjustments to them. And it, you know, I, I guess lately, for example, with Aquaman, we've seen Aquaman with, two hands 
we know that in comic book lore, he, he's got a what a hook or a trident or something. He did at one point. On one and then a hand in the other. And they used that version in here. So subtle difference, but I'm cool with that. No problem. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's more of like a, a Teen Titans feel for Cyborg than than some of the other designs, which the half fro was a little weird. Yeah, it more exaggerated. Right? Yeah, yeah. Teen, yeah, you know, it's, it's fine, like light and lively. Okay, well, yeah, that's fine. yeah. So I mean, the, that was a little weird. The pets were all fine. Um, they didn't have to do much with the MacGuffin being a shard of crystal, so there wasn't much that they had to do with. But the most important, probably prop-type item um, that was in the film was clearly uh, the squeezy Batman. Yes, very funny. <laughs> very well played. <laughs> yes. Um, very, you know... When Batman sees it and he plays, it was, it was actually part of that was in a commercial that you could see a trailer for it. But the, the the fact that it was not squeezy Batman, it was squeezy Bruce. It was. W- was really funny. Um, and it's just a tiny little, a tiny little thing that just pops up throughout the movie and, and provides a nice little bit of light. Well, yeah. The whole the whole movie is, you know, kind of, Funny and lighthearted, but that just adds a little bit to it every now and again. And just a reminder to to the viewer that Superman and and his dog know the Batman is is Bruce Wayne. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, there were there were a couple other subtle little things in there too. Uh, you know, Lex put on his full kind of exo suit. Oh yeah, the and, classic green, and that one looked good. A good prop throughout. A fair bit of the movie was Wonder Woman's invisible jet. That was fun. And that was pretty solid as well. Even though you're like, well, it's a prop how you, and it's invisible. How can you see it? Well, that's the whole like how they delivered that as a prop. That's the joke. Was was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so so even even that little bit was good, too. Yeah. So all in all, it was it was uh, they did a pretty decent job. I'm not as big of a fan uh, of the simplistic style, so it doesn't rate as high with me as some of the other things would. And none of the um, none of the specialized weapons or MacGuffins were all all that interesting, other than Squeezy Bruce and uh, Squeezy Clark. Um, but uh, I mean. All in all, they they did a solid job. That for me, on a scale of one to ten, is an eight. Uh, I matched that with an eight as well. Now, similarly, in an animated film, we often talk about locations in, in a live action uh, set. You know, the different sets they create, or the actual real locations that they go to, and then sometimes the CGI generated locations they have to do on green screen. This is all generated. So let's just talk about what we got to see, where they got to go, and how it was presented. Yeah. So, like, by comparison, I I did a review here recently for uh, Die Another Day, which is a Bond movie, and the locations in that movie are outrageous, phenomenal. This is just a whole different degree, right? So you had to 
draw skyscrapers. And a lot of it was in uh, an apartment. It was in a pet shop. And then outside in different pieces of the city that you can draw the city however you want to see it. I know this was Metropolis, their version of a drawn Metropolis. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to match anything. No. Just draw your buildings, have the... Have the Justice League look like a Unitarian church. Yeah, like the... You didn't even get to see the inside of it. You just saw the outside of it. So you didn't have to be elaborate. It really didn't. But But I guarantee you, if you go back and you look at, let's say, the pet shop, you're always focused on the pets and the pets and the pets because there's a handful of them in cages and enclosures. But I guarantee you, if you look at the background, there's little intricate details that you have to watch it a second time to pay attention to that are probably have little hints and clues or, you know, like jokes or Easter eggs. Yeah. So uh, it, it was it was pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, we got to see the pet store. We got to see the inside of a kindergarten class, which I thought was also quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to see um, Lex's Tower. We got to see, well, the outside of it. And and the top, the top, yeah. Um, yeah. Mostly, it was just outside, random streets and yeah. and alleys and and stuff like that. So not uh, nothing too specifically amazing, but stylistically consistent. Yep, colors made sense. The scale made sense. So uh, animated very well. Yeah. Um, so for me, something that's stylistically consistent doesn't have anything that distracts for me, but also didn't have anything that made me go, wow, that was a really cool whatever. Um, I mean, the most amazing bit they did was the, the hamster trail that, that the one put all the, <laughs> the super friends into. And even that was kind of, eh. So uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, that's uh, going to be a 7 for me. I was a little more generous, and I said an eight for the locations. Yeah. So, I mean, solid, solid panorama of backdrop and stuff to start with. Um, Let's go to the score. Um, Our newest category. Our newest category. Uh, Now, if you look on IMDb, you're not going to find the score yet. It often takes a little while for you to see that on that particular database. But if you take a look, you can find a couple of different lists of, you know, what was in the film. And a lot of it is going to be, you know, just the normal scored. I mean, you got John Williams doing some some intro stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can't be too bad. But you've got some Queen, some Tribe Called Quest, Sturgill Simpson's in there, R.E.M. Uh, Danny Elfman as well did a track for, for this. I mean, it's technically... It's the Batman theme. So, I mean... Yeah, are you written, but utilized probably. Yeah, exactly. But uh, and you get... Uh, uh, where was it? It's the oh, yeah. Percy Faith. Uh, <laughs> that's that's awesome. Burt Bacharach, Chemical Brothers, Can't Heat. Um, now, unfortunately, I have to deduct points for Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> especially when it's a cover of a fantastic song. That Taylor Swift kind of made meh. Um, Did she make this for this movie or was it a cover? Because a lot of these weren't made for this movie. They were just things that were pulled in from other other locations. 
But I, I think with this one, with so many recognizable song songs, obviously they've got to pay for those things. But um, I, I think with that, they identified the locations properly. They fit the tone properly with a lot of the different situations. So Message in a Bottle was released in 2021 off of her uh, um, Red album. Okay, so... Uh, just used. Just used. Skip that track. Yeah. Uh, now, admittedly, I'm, I'm sure part of it is just I love the police and I love Sting. And a lot of those songs, I would have a hard time seeing anybody cover better than the original. Now, I'm sure that's not necessarily the case. I'm, I'm certain that somebody could do it. I just didn't like this version, and that's not a, that's not a diss on Taylor Swift. Actually, she's got some decent music that I that I enjoy. I just I just didn't like that song. Well, we have done an episode on some of our favorite covers. Yes, indeed. Did we ever? We haven't done the one on our the worst covers. Did we do that one? I don't think we did. We talked about it, but never never quite got there. So many things. Yeah, we like to stick to mostly positive stuff. I don't like to take too many digs. That's well, we, dis- we discussed it though. We discussed it because yeah. there were there were a lot of bad covers, a lot of really bad covers. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you get a nice blend of orchestral uh, uh, music, a nice blend of some digital f- music, some some well known and well established pop hits sprinkled in there. It's a solid soundtrack for an animated film about talking pets. Yeah, they. They definitely took the right pieces and put the right pieces in the right places. And sometimes that's hard to do and have it make total sense. But they did a, they did a pretty good job with this. And so the only thing really for me that didn't quite hit quite right, while they, the songs were all pretty decent, I didn't feel like there was a unifying theme. And there was not like the one song that go, oh, perfect. You know, like um, in Thor Ragnarok. When Thor comes out uh, to Led Zeppelin, uh, yes, there's a lot of Guns and Roses in that movie. Did you know Guns and Roses was in the Th- Thor: Love and Thunder. Oh, Love and Did you say Ra- you said Ragnarok? I said Ragnarok. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, for me, that means uh, because it's still really solid. That's again eight out of ten. Um, I too chose eight out of ten. So movie coming out to a solid start. Definitely. Let's let's do one more before we do our our patented smooth transition to talking about something else. Smooth. Smooth. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, let's go back to director. Um, there are two directors. There is a director and a co-director for this film. You got Jared Stern and Sam Levine. 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 Um, what does co-director mean? That is a fantastic question. So, yeah, I'm not going to answer that because it kind of depends on the film. I, I'm wondering if you put a label, one is 1A and one is 1B, or are they both 1A? Yes, usually because, well, let's look at like the Infinity Wars and Endgame. The Russo brothers were not director and co-director. They were both director. Yeah. So co-director feels like it is a um, demarcation of diminished importance, but I'm not certain that's accurate. 
Because, I mean, we talked uh, when I was talking to, I think it was to Dean Devlin. We were talking to somebody about the difference of what executive producer means. And executive producer on a film is completely different from executive producer on a television show. So an executive producer on the television show, that's everything. An executive producer on a film means nothing. You... You came into money. the studio one day and you said, I like the color of your pants, Jimmy, as an executive <laughs> producer. Something like that. So I'm 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 wondering if it was maybe it's not a demarcation of importance, but the amount of involvement. Could be. There could have been a lot of moving parts, and this person stepped in to help manipulate some of those moving parts. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. But Jared Stern, the one that seems to be of primary importance on on this, has not directed a lot of things. This would be his uh, second direct directorial uh, effort uh, after Happy Anniversary in 2018, though he has written quite a bit of stuff. Um, wrote the screenplay for the Lego Batman movie, which was really quite good by all accounts. Um, I still have not seen that one. He wrote your TV series. Doc- yeah, Dr. Ken. Mm, I I don't I don't know if uh was that Ken yeah, yeah yeah I don't know if I've seen that yet because he's very funny but usually when you make any sort of a sitcom based on somebody's life it sucks yeah you got other right stuff um let's go to quickly the Batman the Lego Batman movie alrighty where was that because he 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 directed that one right. He wrote that one. He wrote that one. I thought he directed this one. Mm-hmm. Chris McKay. Gotcha. But I wanted to see if there he was a co-director of it. He wasn't the only writer of the screenplay. He was one of the screenplay writers. One of five listed. Jeez. Yeah. So usually in instances like that, they didn't actually all write the screenplay. It was iterations. So the question is, which iteration of the screenplay did he write? Was he an early version that got replaced, or was he one of the last ones? Or he made revisions. Right. And well, he's done a couple, we said he's done a couple writing, screenplays, things like that. So uh, he's he's been in the movies with these animated things enough to get that exposure and experience to be able to direct. So this was maybe his chance to get to be in the director's chair. Sam, similarly, has not had what I would call a lot of directorial experience. Uh, He's done some uh, television, and this will be the first film. Um, Has some writing credits, um, but has more animation experience. So maybe that's where he comes in. Where he goes, hey, I know how this animation process is going to work. This is how. This is how these scenes need to be done. Yeah, because you can see on there in those things he was an artist of some sort, uncredited in a few things. So he kind of knew the behind the scenes of yeah. creating a project from an animation standpoint. And pretty much all these are really solid films. So yeah. Um, an interesting pairing. So, on the plus side, um, it's a blank slate for me going into the film. But on the downside, it's a blank slate for me going into the film. I have no expectations. Yeah. 
And when you're doing an animated film, if you didn't like something, you can just go back and redraw it and have someone come into the studio and speak into a mic for a day. And it's it's easy to make the corrections. Not, okay, no, not easy. Easier than having to get together, you know, 70 people together so that you can redo a 30 second scene right uh, but you may be gathering 70 people because of the number of animators involved with the changes that need to be made but if the animators are already in place you don't have to regather them no to, no. to get back together again you just make sure that they don't leave yes <laughs> <laughs> because do they in these animated types of movies do they, I feel like they record the stuff, the audio first, and then animate to that? Or do they go animation first and go, I think they do the voice, voice, voice. So, okay, voice so you, you you do the storyboard uh, after you've got the screenplay. You put the storyboard together, you give a basic general uh, after the storyboard. Usually you do a, a, a simple mock-up animation. Uh, of how you want the film to go. Uh, not complete scenes, just some general ideas. From that, then they go into recording the voice to my understanding and then press that on more specifically. Now, I don't know if that's every film or if that's just some films or it's maybe I'm just dreaming this, but this is just from people that I've talked to and documentaries that I've seen and all of the other stuff. That's the impression that I get is common nowadays. Gosh, I wish there was a voice actor or actress that we could speak to that gave that information. But um, <laughs> I, I bet, I mean, it, if you make your living or a portion of your living doing that, that's got to be great work. You go to a studio, maybe for a week, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, and you just repeat the same lines and you talk and you talk and you, you really go at it and you get this monster paycheck or you get repeated paychecks or whatever it is. That's got to be a great. Yeah. I'm if curious. you're good at it, if you're good at it, that's got to be a great way to make income. From what I understand, those paychecks are not quite as monster as you think. Well, if it's for a week's worth of work and you get as much money as like the rest of us do for working for years. Well, yes, but you also have to put that into perspective because some some of these people, you know, like The Rock's going to get movies and movies and movies, but not everybody has back-to-back -back work. So this may be the one thing that they have coming out, and they don't know when it's coming out from the point of production because it could get pushed back, it could get changed. You know, you never know. So it's it's really... Sometimes very feast or famine for a voice actor. And they could have recorded this like two years ago. Yeah. And it's just coming out now. So that's a long way of saying we think the directors did pretty good. Yeah. To put together the talent, to put together the story, to put together an original story based on not original story material. All right. Original story material. Original characters. Original basis. Now, I don't know how much the actual director has to do with the talent. That's usually casting. Correct. But he's got to, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing when that talent is in that studio and they say, I'm going to get you, the director's got to be like, well, let's try that again. I'm going to get you. 
eh, I'm looking for more. Get you, and then they. <laughs> so, they they have to be able to do that, and then when it takes to animation, they've got to be able. So you're like you're directing humans, and you're directing humans to draw humans. So, it, it's an interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder what the director does, especially if this because I I still I gotta imagine that this project took years to actually put together from start to finish. Yeah, from from. Just the inception, it must have been at least like a a bare minimum four or five year project. Yeah, these are crazy. It just takes so much work to sit in front of a computer and animate a 30 second scene. So who knows? Who knows? But uh, that boils down to uh, that's that's code for 12 out of 15. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) I chose the same thing. (laughs) So did a good job from what we can tell. It's always a little more difficult with uh, with any sort of animation because you just don't. It's the nitty gritty. It's that. It's the stuff behind the stuff, the things that you can't always find. Speaking of which, <laughs> have you found the internet, folks? <laughs> that thing that everything is connected to, including your uh, coffee maker and the refrigerator. Yes. Would you like to turn on your oven now? This is, this is really just a reminder that if you have not done so already, if you've listened to us on Spotify, you've listened to us on Apple Music, whatever, don't forget that we have a website that has a number of just really interesting things that you can see. Above, you know, first of all, you can see what our upcoming episodes are going to be, which may change from day to day depending upon what happens. But it has a general schedule of what you can expect. But also it has a list of all of the guests that we've talked to with direct links to all of the episodes that you can just go right to. And it's still got a list of all of our episodes that we've recorded. You can still listen to it in your preferred service, but let's say uh, you're digging for a very specific topic. Sometimes it's hard to go through all that back stuff on Apple or Spotify or whatever if you're looking for something you know, that you're trying to find. Or if you listen to this review and you've listened to maybe some of the other ones and you say, well, they gave that movie a 20? Hmm, I wonder what they gave the other movies to. Right. And you can look at our scores and then you can listen to those reviews too. Exactly. Or if you're, let's say, of a more analytical or bored mindset, we have a couple of other tools that you can check out that I have poured uh, a good chunk of my heart and soul into Uh, We have our pop culture death counts where you can check out a number of different films and television shows. And I have cataloged each and every death that occurs during the movie and notated exactly when it happened on the films or in terms of television shows, which episode and what occurred during the episode. So you can get a definitive answer on how many people died in something. What do you think the death count was for this movie? Zero, <laughs> as far as I can tell. This would be a great one to do a death count on. Yeah. There's no work involved. You just watch the movie and enjoy it. We actually do have a few on the list that have zeros. <laughs> and that's okay. That's right. So we have we have verified that there are no deaths in those films. And then, of course, last but not least, you can check out the uh comic book database that we've got on there, the ultimate comic book database. This is every film ever based upon a uh, comic strip or comic book. It is cross-referenced, see who's been in it, see who has been in the most, uh, what films were released in a specific 
uh, year range. You can see what they were based upon and who worked on those things. Now, I'm just a smidgen behind <laughs> on some of the data entry. I still have to put, as of this recording, I still have to put Thor Love and Thunder in there as well as a, a couple of small bits of information from some stuff behind the scenes. But uh, hopefully here in the next couple of days I'll have that updated. Well, you know, sometimes when these movies come out too, you have the obvious people that are credited. Right. And then as more people watch and more people pay attention, you discover a couple uncredited faces that show up in there too. That's right. So sometimes it takes a bit to get the, the stuff properly updated. Yeah, those casts can be just enormous. Speaking of which, this movie had an enormous cast. That's true. I mean, just massive big names that they got to to two voices for animals, which is too much fun. Um, I've always been a big fan of The Rock ever since the old wrestling days. He's got an immense amount of charisma, and uh, having him be the voice of Crypto was pretty funny. Um, I think, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion, the Rock has done so many things. Too many things? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but he hasn't done his best thing. And I don't know what that best thing is. I mm. really don't know. I really don't. I, I honestly believe that this Black Adam movie coming out won't be the best thing either. Um, because he, he, his acting and his presence and his larger-than-life like look of everything... And he's all in on everything and his personality. It's so it's so natural that when he gets put in some of these live action things, some of it just comes across as overacting or fake. And you don't you don't get what you should be getting. But you don't get any of that in this movie because you don't see him. So that's what right. makes it uh, good. And I, and I'm not. I'm not begrudging Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which in this one he's Dwayne Johnson so that he doesn't have to pay WWE his money. Um, I think he owns The Rock, actually. Oh, he, the, the, he, did he purchase it from? I think, I think he maintained the rights. If I'm remembering, I could be wrong on this, but I, I thought he had a deal where he maintained the rights to that particular, uh, that particular persona. But in order to be a real actor you can't carry around your wrestling name forever that's true but his is so clean the rock it's clean but you'll always think wrestling and he doesn't want you to think that he wants you to think acting larger than life and then of course you've got kevin hart smaller than life <laughs> uh. <laughs> how many things have these guys been in together recently they've been in the jumanji films those those remakes and uh CIA. All right. They tend to like working together and it makes sense. They got good chemistry. Yes, they work really well together. And it's this goes back to the studio work. Were they even in the same room when they were recording their their stuff? Probably not. But if they were, I'm sure their their camaraderie and their composure and everything just kind of worked really well with each other. Now, I will tell you this, I know at least this is the impression I got from Kevin Hart's performance in this. This was a very toned down performance for him. He wasn't bouncing off the walls like he normally does. That's true. 
I could, yes, I could see that. And so that was kind of a pleasant surprise because, you know, I kind of figured, because that, that's his trademark. That's kind of his gimmick. But it's it's nice to see that he could, t- you know, tone it down just a bit and give something different. So that was nice. Um, I absolutely love Kate McKinnon. And uh, she did great as Lulu. <laughs> I can't help it. She was so good. She did good. And then there were times where it just, didn't seem natural to me. I I got such a mixed review of that character's voice acting from watching this where, like I said, sometimes it was spot on and other times it's just like, like, what am I listening to? I don't think that was her voice. I think that was the, the lines. And that could be it too. Like, well, her voice, but you know, she's got to deliver those lines in a certain way and it could just be the lines, but that was the one that I got the, for sure got the inconsistency on. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm picking. I'm nitpicking. John Krasinski, solid as he generally is, as Superman, not not bad at all. Um, another SNL uh, alum, uh, Vanessa Bayer, um, as, the, as the pig, which was, that was one I missed. I didn't didn't recognize her voice at first, and I can't believe I didn't recognize her voice because I've always thought she was one of the funnier people in the more recent uh, cast groupings from SNL because yes. she, she's always good. I feel like she'll have more things to do. She'll keep herself busy going forward. Definitely. Uh, you got Natasha Lyonne as as Merton, which was great. The the <laughs> the. Uh, unable to see super fast turtle. Correct. Now I I read that Merton is an actual character in the in the DC Pets. Yes. Um, they took the liberties because Merton was a boy, and this is a girl character. Not that it really matters. No. Um, I don't know. I tried to read up on some of these characters because I didn't know a lot of the besides crypto. I didn't know a lot of the other characters, and I wanted to know if these were all actual real characters in the lore of DC, and honestly, they are. Yeah. You got Diego Luna as the squirrel chip. Um, Don't know him quite so well. He's going to be in the new Andor series. Coming soon. That I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, But I really have seen anything else he's been in <laughs> so um we've mentioned this briefly uh i know you're not a you like star wars star wars m- things in general in general yeah. um and a lot of the movies unfortunately haven't been the greatest but he was in arguably one of the best ones that's been out in quite some time oh he was in dark city okay Dark City's not a Star Wars movie, by the way. No, no, it's not. Um, oh, yeah, he was Button in Open Range. Yeah. He's a young pup now, and he got killed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I'm, I'm seeing a few here that I recognize. He's He's been doing this for a while. Is he in... Uh, some of these movies. Was he in And Your Mother too? I didn't see that one. E2 Mama Tambien. Oh, okay. It was, it was it would have been like in the 
early 2000s. Possible. But I think he did all right. Um, Chip, to my memory, was not a Green Lantern um, in the comics. I thought it was Clert. There there was, yes, a, a... I think there was a squirrel. There right? was, but I think his name was Clark. Yeah. So I think that may have been a reference there. Having Mark Marin be Lex Luthor was just fantastic. I love Mark Marin. I think I think that's an interesting get for this movie. Um, maybe I'm wrong. He's pretty. He's pretty funny. He's pretty open minded. How many does he have? Any other like voice acting credits? Oh, he's like done this? a couple. He's he's generally generally live action, but he's he's had a couple. So, um, was he in Shark Tale? Shark's Tale? Oh, he was in The Bad Guys. I haven't seen that one yet. I heard that one. Right, that was that was what I was thinking of The Bad Guys. Not not that. Glow was great. But uh, uh <laughs> an episode of The Simpsons as himself. Um Sharknado, that's what I was thinking of. He wasn't, that wasn't, nice. yeah, the third one. Uh, I knew there was something shark related that he he had something to do with, and that that was what it was. Metop- metocalypse? Uh, that was on. Metalocalypse? Uh, that was on Dirty uh, Network. Right. So, I mean. He's done a few things. Having him be anything, and of course he was in Batman, or I mean Joker. Yes. Which was, you know, seeing him into anything comic book related. It's like, all right, fine, let's do it. Yep, I'm good with that. And Keanu Reeves as the rather ridiculous version of Batman was just so, so excellent. Yes. Uh, His personality and his voice is very recognizable regardless. And that was the first, of of all these voices, uh, you know, John Krasinski is pretty easy to pick up on, but uh, Keanu Reeves' voice is very, very recognizable, and it's great for that character in this movie. But then having just as just tiny parts, having Thomas Middlechurch and Ben Schwartz, Mid- Middle Ditch, be a couple of just of the the hamsters. It's just so they got some talent just to do even the little small stuff. Olivia Wilde as Lois. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. I, I really appreciated that they have the uh, Mercy Graves character, period, in this. I thought that, because she's, she is, is she one of those characters in a, from the comic book world that was actually created on the animated, did so well, moved into the comic book? Sorry, of? sorry which character were you talking about again? Mercy Graves. Uh, Mercy was always in the comics first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Though I think that the animated series definitely impacted the character pretty significantly. Um, but yeah, I mean, having Jamila Jamil as Wonder Woman and <laughs> Jemaine Clement as Aquaman. <laughs> to to give that character. So like, I feel like that character gets a bad rap a lot of times. And they played that off so well by giving it to him, right? Yeah, and, but he's great. He's great. Uh, if you haven't seen Flight of the Concords and you can watch Flight of the Concords, it's very amusing. See him in Legion. Oh, he's in Legion? He's in Legion. And he has a great part in Legion. It is so abstract. Well, the whole show is. But his character is really out there. Um, and Davi Diggs is cyborg. Alfred Molina uh, and Lena Headley as 
Jarrell and Laura. I mean, come on. Well, the fact that they have Keith David as Doug Allen. <laughs> this is you. You know that voice. You've heard that voice. You know that voice, and it's great that they got him, even for that small, that small little bit. I mean, this is this is just a bonkers cast. I mean, everybody they got is somebody. Uh, even the people that I don't necessarily recognize, they're all somebody too. They've just I just haven't had the the luck to watch what they've been involved with. Correct. And it's just. Man, just man. And they all did great. Good job, squad. Yeah. So normally a cast like this, I would put like at a 19 or an 18. Yes. Because it is just so jam-packed. But like 50 to 60% of these people are throwaway. <laughs> throwaway like one scene or mm-hmm. one line or just just this piddly little nothing that they get to do. I mean, literally, we're talking about you know, Alfred Merlina and Lena Headley. They have one scene. That's it. One scene. So, I mean, it's great. And they they introduced how uh, Crypto actually made it to Earth. Yeah, and and that's great, but, you know, it's like, oh, what a waste. Um, So, that for me, that's a 16 out of 20. I was a little bit more picky. The people are great. The voices are fine. I I just felt that some of them could have been better. And I'm like I said, I'm 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 really just picking on on this and I probably should rate it higher, but I ended up giving it a fifteen. Yeah. So I mean, all in all, super solid cast. Um Normally we talk about cinematography because, you know, where's the camera angles and what are their special effects? Well, it's all animated. So cinematography in this is more like, okay, almost storyboarding. Um, it's, it's... Well, did the colors look good? Yeah. I mean, there were no major mistakes that I saw. The flow was nice. The scene progression was good. Was the artwork consistent? Yeah. If you're going to be cartoony in one but serious in the other sometimes that just doesn't work well together no. right but it was pretty consistent in terms of how you presented a cage versus how you did a building you know those types of things and yeah i mean so i mean all in all it, it did what it needed to do i had nothing that made me again go wow that was a really neat idea uh in terms of how they presented something but Nothing yanked me out of the film either, and where I, where I just go, that's just dumb. Um, so I'm not going to go too deep into this, just because it's a yeah. hard thing. And I'm trying to think of a movie here recently where that was animated that the cinematography piece you could have rated as a much lower score, and you know if your business is drawing things digitally or in real terms. You'd better be good. You better be good at doing it. And if you're going to pick that art style, you better stick with that art style. And I think this one was good. Yep. So for me, that's a 13 out of 15. Agreed. 13. Now let's go to the, uh, let's go to the meat and the potatoes, the, the plot that can get 20 points potentially. Um, 
I'm tempted to be more forgiving of the plot of a kid's movie like this, um, but I'm not going to be. So <laughs> we can be picky. That's <laughs> it was okay. Now, when you're when you're making a kid's film, you can't have those massive twists. It's just not going to happen. It's yeah. not going to be super surprising. If you're an adult and you have not already predicted how the end of the movie is going to be by the end of the first scene, you may want to go back to school. <laughs> it takes some classes. Yes, they they told you about the solar punch. Yeah. You knew Wait. it was coming. Yeah. And then they go, oh, this dog is invulnerable. Huh, wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> yes. Wait, if, if they're treating in this world... The dog is the exact same as Superman, except Superman is a human and the dog is a dog. Like, what are you going to do to kill this or hurt or damage this dog? Kryptonite? I did like the kryptonite and the cheese. <laughs> yeah, very, <laughs> very funny. Very funny. But that's it. So, yeah, the, I mean, you're, you're not doing anything to this dog. So, for me, the positives... The jokes that they made were not complex, but they consistently made me giggle through the film. And, okay, so here's here's the thing about those jokes, right? They applied. They were fun for the kids. If you are an adult, they were, they were humorous. However, if you understood some of the basics of the DC world, those jokes were just a touch better right so it, going into this knowing that it's based on comic book material and if you were a fan of these comic book things i think you just you can just appreciate some of the things a bit better definitely so um now as far as the plot goes the kind of everybody needs someone thing uh, all pets should have an owner somebody that loves them sort of a thing it's like okay that's fine it's nothing amazing, but it's all right. Earn friendship even from people that you don't know. It's it's just all the kind of the, the standard stuff that you get out of a kid's movie. It's nothing amazing by that stretch. Yeah. We're your family. Right. Yeah. It's like all right, it, it's fine. Um Yeah, the the underlying tones for everything. When when you're seeing Oh, it's they got the orange kryptonite. They're very powerful. They take down all the superheroes. They're going to take over everything. Like, that's what you're seeing. But it's trying to teach you a lesson about friendship and family. Yes. I mean, it's, it's just very basic. The, the characters are either not developed like the, uh, um, the super friends. Because they're not primary, they're secondary characters in this. Mm -hmm. And the pets, while there is some character development, there is essentially no character growth, with the exception of uh, Crypto gets to go. Okay, I accept Lois, and I have a new friend, and then that's it. That that's pretty much the whole thing. Um, the hamsters want to the two went from being mean to being. Yeah, after Reds. after they got smacked around for a minute, that didn't mean anything. Plus, they didn't really want to go on a rampage in the first place. It was just better than hanging out in a kindergarten. 
that's true. What happened to all the other ones? Um, I'm going to go with, well, the one ended up in the bathtub with a guy that kept having bad things happen while he was taking a bath. The one that created the rainbow mm-hmm. went to him. That's true. Um, every, every one of them went to somebody. The only one that I couldn't uh, find was like the teleporting one with the chainsaw. Don't know where that one went. Uh, but they in the after credits they showed basically every everybody got a home everybody has a family happy, happy ending Yay. so is that a bad thing no it's a kids movie that's the way it should be does that mean that it's good no <laughs> it's did, a kids movie did you see any underlying issues with the base of the plot with like the orange kryptonite and it made them powerful and well that that actually something like that in other circumstances might have bothered me but it's kryptonite there's a million colors they all do something different it's in keeping with the golden age superman stuff um i'm certain i am all, all but certain that orange kryptonite was put in the comics at some point and it didn't do that but who cares it's a stupid color of kryptonite that's supposed to do something plot related to kick everything off. So I, I didn't have any problems with that. Um, the behaviors of the characters were accurate. I mean, it's, it's, it's the way that you expect pretty much everybody to act. Uh, the removing the battery from cyborg. I understand it's a joke, but come on. Really? It was a big battery too. Uh, I had issues. Okay, so we were talking about that. This Green Lantern was actually a Green Lantern, which first of all does not look like Jessica Cruz. I'm sorry, that it looks like a, an Oompa Loompa in in a Green Lantern suit. That is not a great design for that character. I should have put that in the some somewhere else, but I did not like that. And I did not like how a little bit of telekinesis from a, an enhanced hamster was able to pull a Green Lantern ring off of a Green Lantern's finger. No, it does not work like that. Does not happen. She didn't have the willpower to keep it on. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it's necessary for the plot to continue that she be defeated. But no, no, I mean, if you're going to, again, it's the same thing. If you're going to write a world or you're going to write your story in a world, even if it's a silly story, you must obey the rules. That is not the rules. Fail. There, there's, a, there's a, there's a movie, Justice League. Oh, uh, it's an animated movie and it's, uh, the typical thing where Darkseid comes and invades Earth and Justice League fights back and they win and blah, blah, blah. But in that movie, it's like you're introducing all the components of the characters and like, oh, you're Bat- oh, you're real? Batman's real? And then they're walking, Green Lantern and Batman are walking through the sewer and basically Batman pickpockets the ring off of him and he's like, eh, I got you. Like just that easy. Yeah. That's, I, that's I, no. That would also get just no. I, I felt that that was an awkward little sequence. I, I understand the tone that they were setting with it, but I was like, there, I don't know much about these comic characters in this sense, but like, 
I don't think that would happen. The ring functions on willpower. It stays on your finger until you will it not to. Or you die. Or you're dead. Yeah. Or the one there is the alternative of unconscious. I've seen it be stolen from an unconscious Green Lantern. Okay, that's fine. Beaten within a pulp when when Hal Jordan ran into a bunch of Green Lanterns. You know what he did to get the rings? He killed them. <laughs> Just that's what was necessary. This is not a light thing. So I understand it's a kids' film. It's not. They they gave fish food to Aquaman. You can't take it too seriously. <laughs> but at the same time, that was funny. Uh, that that sort of thing that that it shouldn't, but it does bother me. Um, those inconsistencies, even though it's a solid basic plot that would get me like a fifteen or a sixteen out of twenty, that takes it down to a fourteen for me. Um, because I like to copy, uh, I also did fourteen. <laughs> Now, this is the part where we can add any extra points that we decide for any particular reason that we want. I have no bonus points. Do you, Richard? I do, and I, it's a, it's a, a disagreement in, of sorts with one particular character. In the, okay, in the Justice League with all these people that they have and in, in the DC live-action Justice League movie that we had that was bad and whatever, like, who were we? We we were really missing a Green Lantern character, right? And the Green Lantern core and the Green Lantern this and that is just a great thing to invest in, but it leaves, it's left a bad taste in everyone's mouth because of the Green Lantern movie from before that was, you know, kind of doo-doo. But if you look at the actual whole system of Green Lanterns, like, that's a great character, it's a great part of the Justice League, and they could have had any of those, like, top-tier Green Lanterns, but for some reason, they chose Jessica Cruz. Oh, okay. I, I, like, Though they don't really name her in the film. That's true. So I'm trying, I mean, we, we had to look it up. It, on IMDb, it just says Green Lantern. When you look it up in the wiki, it says Jessica Cruz. When you compare the picture of what you see in the film with what Jessica Cruz looks like, you could make the argument that that's her. But I I just thought that it was an interesting choice. So I gave them some, I gave a bonus points because they could have chosen all of the best of what we know of the Green Lanterns where you you have Hal Jordan. You have uh, like Kyle Rayner is a just a crazy dude, and you have you yeah, have he's the artist John Stewart who was just you know architect, archi- like military, military man. You know, yeah. like you have all these things, and then you chose Jessica Cruz. Okay, that's fine. We've seen the other characters, I guess. Let's go with this one. Well, I'm uh, I would I would go with you in the sense that I'm glad that they chose a different character. I just I'm sorry, it just doesn't it doesn't fit for me. It's not that they chose it, it's just it does not look like her. I mean, so I mean, okay, so here's my perfect example for this. Take a look at Wonder Woman as presented in this film versus how she's presented in the comics or in some of the previous animations. She looks basically the same. Mm-hmm. Take a look at at this Jessica Cruz versus how she is portrayed in the comics, and it is nowhere near the same. Yeah, they took some... 
liberties. liberties, I guess you could call it. I mean, because, yeah, the design is completely different. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were thinking there. Other than that, you know, that's, that's yeah, it's a small thing. Yeah, and personally, would I have liked to have seen maybe a John Stewart in there? Yeah, yes. that would have been dope for yeah. sure. That's okay. You know, whatever. This is a little bit more lighthearted, so you yeah. get a little bit different character. Even a Jade, if you want to, if you want to throw in a female Green Lantern, bring in Jade. She was a cool character that's never gotten a shot in an animated anything, to my knowledge, anyway. There's just so many. Look, I mean, look at the list. There's just so many. It's it is a huge list. But uh, so let's see what that brings. Our total to. It looks like Richard gave a score of seventy nine. And I gave it a score of 78. Solid C-plus territory. Yeah, very good. Very good. And if this makes its way over to HBO Max, which I think that would be the destination, and you have it, and you have a family movie time, this will be a great one to sit down and, and take a look at. It's fun. It's a very fun film. But that is all we have for that film. What did you think? Uh, dear listener, you know how to get a hold of us on social media. We're on so many of them except for TikTok. We don't really do TikTok. No. Um, but, you know, contact us on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook. We will definitely respond. But uh, just stay tuned. It should be interesting.